Uh, I guess I should start talking. Uh, welcome to the Joe Miro podcast. My name is Michael <laughs> Kripe. <laughs> My name is Michael Kripe. I'm here with Robert Adams and Joey LaFasciano, the two best co-hosts a guy could ever ask for. Hello. Hey, I'm Joe. Oh my god. <laughs> you hurt me. This is the Joe Miro podcast. This is I'm Michael as Joey and Robert. It's an actual Joe Miro podcast where we're all three here and we're definitely recording in the middle of the night to make this happen. And I'm let's go lagging behind by 40 seconds. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I hope everyone listened to the bonus episode we uploaded Sunday. Um it is the definition of a train wreck. Um but I love it all the same. Uh, so uh, let's go ahead and get started. Joey, do you have a topic? I do. I want to kind of talk about, or not really talk about, I want to kind of ask you guys about some things. So you two are the you two are the biggest movie critics that I know personally. <laughs> so I was just going to kind of ask, to you personally, what what makes a good movie? Ooh. How many Great Legos question. are in it? <laughs> All right. That's it. That's what makes a good movie. Robert. <laughs> uh, man. Uh, okay. What makes a good movie? Um, Do you, when you walk out of a movie theater, what's like the things that pop in your mind? That's like, Oh wow, they did this and they ma- and they made the movie really good or wow. They didn't do this. And the movie sucked. So, uh, let me give a few different answers to this. And Michael, feel free to just interrupt me at any time. Um, never. I'll first start with what people in school said all the time. And I feel like it's partially true. Um, I will interrupt you real quick. Robert uh, majored in film. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Is that he the use his film major? I did. I want to be clear. Like you, you studied film. You, you have an education in film. So you will know better than anyone in the planet. <laughs> anyone on this entire planet. Yes. Um, Robert is the master movie critic. My intellect is unmatched in this area. Um, so my film professors would always talk about how films are supposed to achieve one of two goals, at least one of two goals. Um, they said really good movies achieve both goals. And those goals were uh, one, to entertain, and two, to make money. Um, although I don't really like it when movies just go for the second one to just make money. Uh, a lot of films just do that. Um, and there's a lot of nuance to like what specifies entertain. Like what does that mean exactly? Uh, to a lot of people that means maybe just laugh. Or uh, for like some specific movies, maybe you want to cry at a movie. Or uh, maybe you uh, want to feel suspense or scared. Um, like, you know, a lot of these things come down to just like feeling an emotion. And that's like what I think a really good movie will invoke a very specific emotion from you um, that, so a good movie will invoke emotion from you that you expect, but it will catch you at a time when you unexpect it. A great movie will present you an emotion that you did not expect to feel during the film. So I'm trying to think of uh, like a, a great film that has this specific example. I think, um, Okay, I'm going to go to Interstellar um, just because I feel like there's a lot of just like cool little things with that film. I'm going to ruin it. Are there spoilers in this, what you're about to say? I'm not going to spoil really anything big. 
Thank God. Yeah. That movie came out like three years ago and I'm still wanting to see it. Oh my God, dude. More than three years. <laughs> oh yeah, you're probably right. It probably was three years ago. <laughs> it was like 2015. <laughs> I also haven't seen the movie. Wait, what? To be fair, I also have not seen this movie. Oh man, okay. Uh, name name a, a good film then that you guys have bo- like both seen, or like let, let's let's talk about a film that came out recently, maybe. Um, uh, can you can you come up oh, with a Joker? Joker, okay. Yeah, so movie, I agree. Yeah. So I I think that's a great film because. Um, there was there were emotions that everyone expected to feel from this. They expected to feel like this sort of mania from the main character. Um, and so when I talk about like emotions, it's not necessarily like the audience member feels the emotion of something. They can like you know vicariously feel the emotions that the the character presented on screen is also feeling. So the the guy. Uh, I can't remember what the, the Joker's character's like character name is in the film. Um, but he is like beaten down and people can relate with that. Um, but I think what was kind of unexpected was whenever he shot Murray, it was such an intense, but like it was an, it was a satisfying feeling. Um, like a lot of people felt this like weird feeling of satisfaction whenever he shot the TV host. And I think that is like, you know, it's, it's a very unexpected feeling. It's like, you know, you don't wish death upon anyone, but a lot of people feel in society like they're being pushed down by the big man, the media, you know, whatever is uh, in charge of societal norms. Uh, and to see that kind of like displayed on uh, the big screen was like very different. Um, and so I think that's what kind of makes it like, that's one aspect of being a good film. Um, but before I just like monologue you guys to death, uh, I want to hear what you guys think. Cause I could, I could keep going on this forever. <laughs> but, um, Joker's name in the movie is Arthur Fleck. Arthur. That's what it was. Yes. You're right. Yeah. Joey, were you good? Do you, do you have anything you want to say? I know what I want to say. Um, what makes a good film to me is kind of what Robert was saying. Um, I, whenever I go in to watch a movie, I want that film to make me feel a s- specific way. And if it achieves that goal, I walk out of that movie saying that was a good movie. Or if the movie was just straight up fun and exciting. If I enjoyed my time watching it, I'll walk out saying this is a good movie. For example, Suicide Squad. Michael hates that movie. I like it a lot. Oh no, Joey, that movie sucks. I walk out of that, I walked out of that movie and I was like, wow, I had a good time. Now, no. keep in mind, Joey said what makes a good movie for him is if it makes him feel the way he intended it to yes. make him feel. That's true. That's fair. And That's it, very fair. In the case of Suicide Squad, it had a, a DC characters in it, so Joey loved it. <laughs> that is it exactly. But yeah, no, if I if I enjoyed the movie, like if I if I got what I wanted out of it, unless I'm being really nitpicky, which I very rarely am with movies, um then that's what kind of I think makes a good movie for me. Um, I talked with someone recently about um, how I look at games when I review them. I've never reviewed a movie professionally. I've done it like in my, for my own free, my own free time. But um, I think for me, what makes a good movie 
is first and foremost it's basically what robert said but i think it's artist intent is what it comes down to for me um yeah so you know if, if i feel um at the end of a movie um I, I i try to go into movies really not expecting too much um i think it's a good idea to just kind of sit down and just let the artist uh the filmmaker the game developer the painter whatever just take you into that world and give you a package and give you that feeling that they wanted you to feel from beginning to end without much um i guess i can't think of the word um much of an idea about what what's going on before you go into the movie um so like i i'm gonna talk about the lego movie nice i'm just warning you i just it's my favorite movie it's a good Um, movie yeah it's a good it's a great movie um but for me you know that that movie kind of hits every thing i would ever want a movie to hit so how do i describe what what the artist what the intent behind the lego (laughs) movie was um i guess i can just talk about it from my perspective so the reason the lego movie is my favorite movie is because it does a lot of what robert talked about um it made me think feel things i was expecting to feel you know i I thought it was a funny light-hearted movie um but it was like it was funny in like amazing ways it wasn't just like kind of funny like a kind of funny kids movie like it was a really genuinely well thought out funny movie um Mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of heart in it too um and you know it 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 just the way it weaved its story in with its characters it, it paid attention to its characters and um visually it's just a really stunning movie um, and I think first and foremost, they used the idea of Legos to its fullest extent. Um, so I, when, when, uh, a movie chooses a gimmick, I guess you could say like making the entire thing out of Legos, even though like 99% of it's computer generated, I believe. Um, I, I want there to be purpose behind that. So like mm-hmm. the Lego movie has purpose behind its decision to put everything in Legos. And it's because at least for me, a lot of it is about creativity and exploring creativity and things like that. And I can't think of a better, like not analogy, but like, I guess way to communicate creativity than like through Legos, like Legos are for a lot of kids, the building blocks of creativity. You know, you can make anything out of Legos and uh, telling that story with through that medium i guess i don't know if i'm explaining this correctly but um it just felt like the filmmakers really thought out every single aspect of the movie um before or before it was done or before they got started it just felt very planned out and well thought out so i don't know i'm basically rambling about the lego movie but no yeah that's fine that was what the whole topic was kind of about (laughs) yeah no i I think that was masterfully articulated i think uh the artist intent and the the fact that everything is well developed that that i think i completely agree with you you can tell I, i think that a lot of people can suspend their disbelief and get sucked into a movie even a bad movie sometimes because they want it to be good but if if you can go into a movie and you kind of just 
look at it intentionally, you can tell very quickly if the film was well developed, if the the like in the Lego movie, if the voice talent is giving their all, if the the artists are like paying attention to very small details, if the mm-hmm. animation is crisp, um, you know, just, like little things like that, you can tell that like people gave a hundred percent on that film. Yeah, and you're you're hundred percent right, and like it's it really does, and that's part of it for me as well. Is it it feels like you you can tell every single person involved with the project gave a hundred and ten percent. Yeah. And that's just what makes a good film. And especially, I think that also comes back to like artist direction. They had an idea and I, I don't know who the director is for that film. Uh, so whoever, whoever directed that well done uh, a plus. Um, but I think that that, I guess it also depends if that is like a, this is what they call in film school, like auteur theory. It's like the idea of like the, the director has like the main control over everything. It's the artist. It's like the, the director's vision. Um, so I don't know if that was like a director's vision type film or if that was like a team that collaborated. If that was a team effort, very good job because it's very hard to get multiple visions directed into one line. I think a really good example of that is the, I hate to always bring this back to Star Wars, but a very great example of a movie gone wrong that had potential solo. Um, because mm. it had two different I directors. Liked the movie Solo. What? I liked the movie Solo. No. <laughs> we all watched that together, and I came out of the theater saying I liked it, and everyone around me was like, "That movie's bad." It was so bad. I, I just, I think, I, I mean, I, for me, I think also film school just ruined watching movies in a way. It's really hard for me to watch a movie and just say it's good because there's so many things that have been like pointed out to me to like look for in order to make like a movie perfect they're like very anal about everything they'll like point out all these different little things and when you start watching a film you're like trying to look at it through like a really critical lens but also enjoy it and it's really hard to do that and i guess like when i'm a fan of something that gets like like hyper focused because it's like i i have higher expectations for this film but also with Solo, it's like there are literally two different directors and you can see the two different visions of like, we want to make Solo a little bit edgy. Oh, actually, no, we want to make it more of like a Boy Scout friendly type. And it's like, you got to commit to one. Uh, you can't you can't wish wash back and forth. Like a big thing in storytelling is you have to continuously raise the stakes and then you have to pay off the obvious expectations that the audience has built. If you don't do that, it just makes a bad movie. Like it just makes a, an average day in the life situation. That's why like no movies are like a slice of life. Like slice of life films are still like the dramatic portions of life. You're never going to see a guy come home, watch something on TV and then go to bed because it's boring. You're going to watch like a guy come home. He's going to turn on the TV and then it might explode. Um, you know, like solo raise the stakes and then drop them in certain areas. And, you know, the movie doesn't pay off with the, it's like, Oh, he is this like badass racer guy. It was like, Oh, but he's not the badass racer guy that you guys saw in like the previous films. He is, uh, he's like a really nice guy. <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know. You know? Yeah. It's, no. Yeah. I, I completely. Point. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And, 
um to be clear like artist intent and that that oh, that was a case too where there was so much like it star wars is such a big studio thing where like it's so it's such a like it's so important for those movies to make money that it's so hard to get filmmakers in there that just have or that are just unshackled i guess and can just oh, yeah. do anything with the property they want um and robert you're gonna hate me <laughs> oh, <laughs> i didn't boy. mean to do this um but i think the last jedi is a really good example <laughs> of <laughs> a filmmaker who was allowed to be pretty unshackled with what they wanted to do um ryan johnson really made the star wars film he wanted and you know it's hard because there's so much lore and background for all of those characters that a lot of people feel that those films don't fit in or the last jedi doesn't fit in with the the greater universe and Mm -hmm. i think ryan johnson's a really brilliant filmmaker like Knives Out obviously is a great example of a film he's done recently that is yeah, fantastic. Knives Out was great. Love that. Yeah. Movie. Yeah, that um, was really good. But it's also not connected to this grand universe that's been built for the last 5 decades, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's an important point because when you're dealing with a, a franchise in a series, it, it gets a lot more difficult and the rules change a little bit because like I, yeah, look, what, what you brought up with Knives Out is like perfect example. He gets to create the universe. He gets to create the rules. He gets to build the box. And in that film, he's able to even like subvert our expectations several times because like it, all of the potential is still within the box that he has mm-hmm. made. Whereas like with when he worked with Star Wars, he was like, I want to step outside of the box. And yeah. that you can't do that, unfortunately. You can like it seems really fun um but you just you just can't mess with the audience because the audience wants the obvious as much as it sucks as much as like people want to be like have something that will just like blow someone's mind and change their expectations and redefine cinema for the next 50 years mm. you still have to present the obvious at times because that's just what the audience wants um i don't it's know so- yeah, I, I feel like Star Wars is such an example where it's just there it's so far into it now where anyone who hops on to make one of those mainline big budget Star Wars movies really has to walk on a tightrope, you know, and just ride this fine 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 line of like what is new and expands that universe and what stays within its limits that it's already set up for so long. Um, Do you believe that the same um, stress, or I guess you would say, is put on the actors as well, playing these characters that have been built up forever, say, in maybe like other shows or the previous books or whatever? Hmm. Um, what do you mean? Could you give me an, an example who, who might be of, no. of an actor who might be under stress? I'm- I'm sorry, I really can't because I don't know the Star Wars history like you guys do. So, like, say there's somebody that's maybe in, I don't know, you like the Clone Wars a lot. Say maybe, maybe there's somebody big in the Clone Wars that hasn't been in a movie, like a, a live-action movie, and then they decided to put that character, like, in, in say, a live-action movie, and they were like, hey, go portray this character. Do you think there's a lot of stress on them just because of the history built up along that character throughout the previous um, iterations of it? Yeah, absolutely. So, like, perfect example, Rosario Dawson played Ahsoka in The Mandalorian. Um, um, and, yes. she, yeah, and she had never played um, Ahsoka before. Uh, Ahsoka had only existed um, or never existed in live action. 
to my knowledge, she had existed in um, probably some extended lore things as well as uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, and she is a, an established character with years and years of uh, buildup. And I'm, I'm sure absolutely it was difficult for a, an actor to come in and not only be familiar with that character's background, um, but just sort of step into the shoes of the person who had been playing them because even though Ahsoka had previously been animated and now was in being translated to live action, like there is, it, it's still the same character and you have to translate that well as that actor. Um, I don't want to get into star Wars too long. So, well, I um, think uh, to detract from star Wars, I think another, yeah, I think we're getting stuck on this for a little bit. And I think another one that we know a lot about is like any superhero movie. Because when you think about that, that's like certain expectations are built up around every single superhero based off of either what we know from uh-huh. comics. And there's so many different iterations of each superhero within comics. And then also like previous mm-hmm. movies. Yeah. So, you know, like what's his name? Uh, Robert, is it Robert Pattinson? Yeah. Um, who's going to be the next oh. Batman? The Twilight yeah. guy? There's like yeah, the Twilight guy. <laughs> there's like oh, 800 the iterations guy. of Batman. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, he is under a lot of stress for however his however he's going to portray Batman. But I think there's also a little bit more stress on the director with like they have to present a successful Batman film. There's certain expectations that have to be met. Um, you know, if the audience does not get that Batman has dead parents, people are going to be disappointed. If the audience does not get that there is an Alfred, the audience is going to be disappointed. If the audience does not get that there's like some sort of like utility belt or Batmobile or Batcave, the audience will be disappointed because like those are so integral into that character and his origin and just like who he is in like the ethereal mess of this universe <laughs> that like the audience just wants that. They don't care how it's done. It's like bonk, beat that horse dead. But do uh, they want that, though? What? But do they want that? Like, you know how many times we have seen the origins of Batman? But think about, like, when it came to into the Spider-Verse, and they had Uncle Ben still, and he died again, and everyone was still like, that's cool. Like, well, the Spider-Verse is a whole different beast compared to the other Spider-Man movies. I mean, yes, but that's like, again, like, they it was very stressful for them, and in order to make that movie really, really good, they literally invented a new animation style. So like they went above and beyond the call and that's what makes that movie great is because mm-hmm. they ch- they changed things but they still had they were like okay here is like the original Spider-Man and they like eased into like okay here's the new Spider-Man Miles Morales was also uh, a comic book character before um so like there's like you know there's background to it it's not just a a completely new thing and again his uncle Ben dies so again it's just like so integral into that character you just like you can't miss it like i feel like if there wasn't i feel like they could have maybe gotten away with it because they mentioned like all the other uncle ben's dying but that was still part of his like version um i don't know i you know there's just certain things and i could be wrong they could totally do it a different way and it might have still been successful but it's just like you have to have something that's similar to the original character because i Go Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that, that's basically it. I just think it's you have to have something similar or else the audience will just like leap on you. 
I do think uh, comic books have a little bit more leeway to uh, just kind of stretch those boundaries because, like, you know, comparing it to Star Wars, Star Wars has really boxed itself in with all of this taking place in the same continuity. Um, oh, all those stories. Yeah, all those stories that are told, like you you just continue to set up rules for yourself that there's not much room to kind of bend that a little bit but you know a really cool thing about comic book adaptations is um somehow audiences are cool and aware with the fact that like there are different batman versions like robert pattinson's going to be in this new movie and there's going to be a new catwoman and a new riddler and a new penguin and People are going to understand that this penguin is a completely different universe penguin from um, uh, Danny DeVito penguin or like. (laughs) (laughs) It's so excited. (laughs) And this Riddler is going to be different from Jim Carrey Riddler and (laughs) Robert Pattinson isn't Christian Bale Batman. So Mm -hmm. like, I I don't know. It's cool because like I I wish comic books would stretch these things a little bit more. And I think Spider-Verse did did a good job of like here's all these familiar characters you know but we're also doing our own thing with it um but yeah i i think it's cool that comic books um have that to kind of play around with and i i want to go back i'm glad you brought it back to superheroes is perfect and then we can probably move on because this has been going on a long time i want to talk about one more thing after superheroes okay um uh so i talked about artist intent and i want to be clear that sometimes just because an artist has full control doesn't mean the movie is going to be perfect. Um, oh, yeah. If you've paid attention to superhero movie news at all in the past year, you know that Zack Snyder got full creative, almost full creative control of his own Justice League movie. Um, and I think that his version of that film is a lot better than the one that came before it. I would agree. Um, but at the same time, you know, he, he had almost full control, but it doesn't mean that it's a perfect superhero movie um, just because he had all of that control. You know, it's it's kind of like it's it's hard to describe why it isn't like what makes that as not as good of a movie as it could have been, despite the fact that he, you know, had was able to stay focused on it. Yeah. Um. But, you know, at at the end of the day, I think what, you know, you, you have to remember is, like, like, that's what makes a good movie to me. And I, I really like his, his Justice League movie. I mean, Artist Intent is what makes a good movie for me. Um, and I like it more than most people because Artist Intent is, is important to me. But at the end of the day, you know, if you want to watch The Suicide Squad and not know what's going on and love it, then that's on you, man. <laughs> <laughs> and have a character introduced three fourths of the way through the movie. <laughs> that is that is like a major movie sin. Like that is like that is like one of the. the oh. Sorry, Joey. Go ahead. <laughs> I enjoyed myself. That's all. That's all that really matters to me. Go on on your unnecessary rants. Uh, uh, one thing, Michael, you just reminded me of. So I think. I completely agree with you on the idea of like, you know, just because an artist has full control doesn't mean it's going to be a good film. And that's because sometimes artists are either having a bad day. They could just suck in general or, you know, whatever they're working on just might not be their forte. But then if you look on the other side, there's people who do know what they're doing, like Wes Anderson. So, 
you look at like basically any Wes Anderson film and you just know it's going to be fun. It's going to be creative and imaginative and it's going to be out there in some portions and everything's going to be in the center of the screen. There's going to be a bunch of these like pan up, pan downs and, you know, like very creative colors um, because he knows what he's good at and he leans into that. Um, And, you know, even though it's like a very different story each time, it's just, it's like, it's good content. Um, But I also have not seen his earlier works, so his earlier early works could be totally bad. Um, <laughs> but that just means he's grown. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe Zack Snyder will uh, lean into this superhero thing and he'll just get better over time. Um, at least one can hope. I just hope DC catches up. But Hey, Robert. Yep. Uh, real quick, what movies does Wes Anderson do? Uh, so the one that comes immediately to mind is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, then he also did the Isle of Dogs. Um, was let's see. A book before what was Isle of Dogs a book before? Uh, I don't think so. I don't recall hearing about it, maybe because of the movie, but I guess I did. I'm not sure. Oh, he okay. did Rushmore, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, there's one that just it's about to come out. It's not out yet. It's called the French Dispatch. Um, there's Moonrise Kingdom, um, Darling Darjeeling Unlimited, or yeah, yeah, Darjeeling Unlimited, and a few others. I think uh, I can't remember them. Oh, okay, yeah, I haven't heard of the majority of those. I you should sorry. definitely watch them. <laughs> oh, also, The Life Aquatic. Forget about that one. Um, I think. Uh... Joe, you should definitely look up some uh, some of Wes Anderson's films sometime. He's he's a good director. I've not seen too many of them too, but um, the ones I have seen, I'm very impressed by. And uh, I, I I think to kind of bring it back, I think Wes Anderson is a very focused director too. And uh, you know, I guess that's what I would add on to what I think makes a good movie is um, artist intent, but also their ability to stay focused and achieve goals. Um, because a lot of times, you know, it feels like I think that's maybe what a good way to describe why Zack Snyder's Justice League didn't exactly work for me all the way is because it feels like there are goals he sets up and then doesn't achieve. Um, mm. I could go into what those are, but I'd have to sit down and watch another four hour freaking movie <laughs> <laughs> to do that. And I don't really feel like doing that. Well, maybe, I think that's you know. also, you know, in, in a four hour film, that is such a feat to take on. Like there are, hardly any films that come close to that that like and like the ones that do take years and years and like these crazy budgets um it, like it, it's just very hard to pull off that much and uh keep the audience's attention span and you know if you set up something in the first 30 minutes and pay it off in the last 30 minutes someone might have totally forgotten about it because it's like so much time has passed. Especially in a four-hour movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what was he thinking? <laughs> Except if you're like in Lord of the Rings, where it's like the thing that pays off is the ring. It's like it's very constantly in frame. I think, you know, like mm-hmm. there are things, if you're going to pay off something, you have to either remind the audience over and over. It's like, oh, here's the thing that we're trying to pay off. Here's the thing we're going to pay off. Here's the thing we're going to pay off. And you raise the stakes with that thing. Like, it's like, oh, no. 
Sam has the ring now. He's tempted. He's like, no, okay, give it back to Frodo. It's like, oh, no, now Gollum has the ring. But okay, he fell into the volcano and it's all over. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I uh, This is a really good discussion. Joey, you said you had um, one thing you wanted to add. Yeah, sorry. I totally hijacked that. I, I got super no, gunned fine. into this. That was kind of that was kind of the point. Knowing your background <laughs> and how you don't ever get to use it, I was like, mm, I get Robert. <laughs> oh my god! Interested. <laughs> called out. <laughs> you never get to use it. You freaking washed up film <laughs> major. Okay, you're 25. Oh, where is your director's <laughs> IMDb page? <laughs> so we talked about what makes some what makes a movie good. All right, so like, how can you make a movie so bad that it's good? For example, The Room. You think there will ever be another The Room like movie? Oh, there's plenty. I mean, like Sharknado. Um, ah, you're right. Sharknado was good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's like so. There, like, there are things that pay off. Again, it's like you got to you got to create expectations, and you have to present the obvious. And when you present the obvious, then it like you know it's satisfied uh sharknado went into it they they wanted to make a bad film and wasn't there the, like six of those seven eight one of the, something like that well i don't know there's a lot at least five i think yeah kind of crazy yeah and uh, you know those things are cheap to make they don't require expensive actors or actresses or any sort of like really expensive animation they just you know whip it together and they advertise it as bad and people are like oh my god Sharks in a tornado? That sounds dumb and funny. I'm going to watch that. Whereas The Room, it was like this guy put 110% of his effort into the film, but it was just like so bad. You can tell that he's like doing his all, but like compared to the average person, it just doesn't look normal. And that's what kind of makes it funny is like, it's just like, I don't know. You see someone put their all into something that, and it ends up just being terrible and it doesn't make any sense that it, I guess like, I don't know. It's entertaining in a way to all of our listeners. If you haven't watched the room yet, I would highly recommend it. And also if you haven't watched disaster artist, I would highly, highly recommend that one. Just a warning with the room though. It's like one third sex, like one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I did not know there were that many sex scenes in it. I, I was really <laughs> shocked when you guys showed me. Good movie though. Good movie. Bad movie. Good movie. Yeah. The room is unironically one of the most fascinating movies I've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, do you care if I move on to my topic? Because it's a perfect segue. Yeah, let's move on. Go for it. So I didn't know Joey's topic before we got started. My topic, um, and maybe it's a little too similar. If you guys feel it's too similar, I'm I'm, I'm happy to change it. Um, My topic is, what is the most emotional a game, movie, show, or book has made you feel? Um. I don't, no. I don't know if I can call this the most, but as a kid, I can never get through the book, The Giving Tree, because it made me cry every time. Oh, that's a good book. <laughs> yeah, I cried every single time it was read to me at school. Yep. That's how we know you're a good person, Joey. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. So w- tell me about it. Why, why did it make you cry? If, if, I don't, unless I don't you don't want to cry during book. this podcast. I crying about the book. <laughs> Wait, say that again. 
I said, I don't remember the book. I just remember crying about the book. Uh, Robert, you raise your hand. Yeah, that was an accident. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember um, correctly, the giving tree just kind of basically gave this kid or whatever everything, and then he eventually like died or sacrificed himself. I don't know. I don't like. I said I don't remember it. I just remember it was super sad. Um, yeah, the, the the tree just keeps on giving to this boy because it, it loves the boy, and the boy just keeps on taking, and then eventually the tree has nothing to give. And then the guy sits down on the tree because it's a stump now and he's old and it's kind of like they've both come to the end of their journey. The tree was always there for him. I'm in my middle twenties and I'm sad right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes sense. It's unconditional love. Um, that's a really good answer. I didn't think any of us would have something maybe from we were, when we were younger that made us that emotional. Um, do you do you think you can think of anything more recent? I'm curious, or is that is the Giving Tree the the pinnacle of the amount of emotions um, I'm sure, <laughs> entertainment has made you feel? I'm sure if I think deeply about it, I can find something. Whatever, whatever I think of emotions, I think solely of sad and crying. I don't really think of the other mo- emotions like happiness or like you know joy, fright, fear, blah blah blah. Um, I can't. I don't think. A movie has ever made me cry, and I highly doubt a game has made me cry. But in terms of like happiness, I feel like I experience that like almost every time I watch something. There's some sort of like spark of joy as I'm watching it that just like, huh, yeah, this this is great. This is awesome. I'm happy. Uh, Robert, what about you? Can you think of anything? Yeah, I've actually been talking to a lot of people about this film recently. Because it came up randomly. Like someone unlocked this memory for me while I was at work. (laughs) And um, it's called Dear Zachary. It's a documentary. It is so hard for me to explain without giving too much away. But how it was presented to us in film class was the professor came up and he had on the syllabus and it said Dear Zachary. And all the other films had like a brief description. and he told us, he was like, I don't want you guys to look up that film. Like, I don't want you to look up anything about it. I'm not going to tell you guys anything about it. We're going to watch it in class. And he said, I just want to just prepare you guys. It's going to be hard. You're going to cry a few times. You're going to feel a roller coaster of emotions. And it's going to be a good ride. And that's how he presented to us. And I've never felt exactly that than watching that film. To be hmm. fair, that is a really good, like, kind of hook to get someone to a movie. If someone told me a movie was like that, I would definitely be interested in checking it out. It is like, I, it, I, I honestly can, I can't do it justice and I don't know how to sell it, but it's kind of like how you guys told me how to watch mother. You know, know, it's like, you just have to watch it to understand. And that movie really takes you on a ride. There's so many times where, you you know when you watch a movie and you think it's going to end and you kind of want it to end? This is the opposite. You think it's going to end, but you don't want it to end. And then it keeps going. And you're like, oh my God, it's still going. And you're going to cry several times because it's a very emotional, real life story. And I, I've never like, I, I don't know, I've never cried in a theater before that I can remember. 
But I cried in my film class at least three times mm-hmm. because it, it was just so emotional. Um, that makes sense. I yeah. um, I get I get worried when people sell me on movies like that because like you say all these things and now I feel like I'm expecting it to be sad. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to see it, but I don't want to go in expecting it to be sad. Cause now I feel like, like I know what's going to happen and that sucks, but I know there's also <laughs> not really a better way to sell the movie than for you to explain it like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I, again, it's so hard to talk about it. A lot is explained within the first couple minutes and then it kind of like tells you within the first couple of minutes what emotions you're expected to feel. And then it just like delivers very well. Um, and it's just like, it's, it's, you know, it's a documentary. It's the best documentary I've ever seen. And I know I'm setting the stakes high and I know, you know, expectations are hard. But again, that's what I thought when this professor said those things. And then it blew me away. So I really think you won't be disappointed if you watch this film. You think this, this is something Rollins called, and I can watch? Sorry, Joey. This film is called De- Dear Zachary, right? Dear Zachary. Okay, got it. Yeah. Uh, do you know where this could be watched by chance? I do not, unfortunately. Okay. How dare but, you? But um, I'm sure a quick Google search can do that. So go ahead and continue on what you're doing. I'll be back in a second. <laughs> All right. I think you and Rollins <laughs> could watch it, but I I don't know if Rollins will like it or not. Okay. I I don't know. But, um, okay, okay. I'm, I'm back. I really want to watch it. Where um, this movie can be watched for free on Pluto TV, Tubi, Vudu, um, Amazon Prime Video subscription, or you can pay money to watch it on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play Movies and TV, and Apple TV. It's free on Amazon Prime. What via, via subscription? You have to have like a certain subscription. Ooh, ooh, sorry. Real quick, another thing, complete on the spectrum, off the on the spectrum of Amazon stuff. That's what I was trying to say. Um, is there is a show that you guys are now aware of called Invincible? And mm. oh, Think. what? Nothing. <laughs> oh, oh my God! That film made me feel all sorts of emotions. Not film, TV series. Yeah. Very good. (laughs) Yeah. It, uh, oh my God, Joey, I want to totally talk about uh, the artist intent thing right now with that show, but I don't want to because I don't want to spoil it. Good idea. Um, Maybe we'll talk about it next episode or the one after that or after that. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. In, invincible. And I want to be clear when I say emotions, when I make when a, when something makes you feel emotional, I, I, it doesn't necessarily have to just be sad. You know, Invincible made me feel really emotional um, toward the end of its first episode because not just because of how it ends, but because of how they spent so much of the first episode setting things up a certain way. Yeah. And, you know, for them to to leave it as they did it just felt like the directors and everybody who worked in that show looked me in the face and said yeah that's what we're doing like this is what you're in for if you keep watching the show like it 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 was just so perfectly executed yeah great pilot Um, episode i think that's like like brilliantly done 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh shoot, I had a I had a good answer for. If you want to wait to think about it for a second, I have something else to add. Yeah, go for it. I'll try to remember what I was going to say. Um, whenever I said that I highly doubt a video game has made me feel emotional, um, I lied because I I just I just kind of forgot about it. Um, I spent a lot of times playing Persona Five. And there was a few times in in the middle and like kind of near the end and at the end where I actually like was really close to tearing up um, just from that game. So like, that is that is a time where I felt emotional. What about it made it, made you feel emotional? Is it, would it be spoiler heavy if you talked about um, it? Maybe a little, but I can I can um, I can avoid it. Um, long story short. You, I played the game for about 120 hours, um, so I put in a lot of time into that game, and throughout that time, you are building relationships with the cast and kind of like finding out like personal things about them and kind of really getting to know them. And um, at the end of the game, you you end the game kind of, and other stuff that would be spoiler spoiler territory. But like after all that is said and done, I'm just like wow. It, it's over. I feel like I've like put so much time into this game and into these characters and everything. And now it's like, it feels like, you know, you're splitting apart. And as I watched the credits roll and they showed like the pictures and everything throughout the game of them, all the good times you've had with, with the cast and everything, it actually made me feel something. That's a perfect example. I think, you know, like it, it doesn't necessarily have to be an overtly sad moment in a, in a piece of entertainment, but it's, you know, it, it made you feel so happy and so connected with its characters that when it's over it, you know, it was bittersweet kind of thing. Um, I remember what I was going to say, if it's all right for me to go ahead and keep going with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so when I think about the thing, first of all, I, I want to, these are going to kind of be uh, honorable mentions for movies that I think are particularly human, if I can put it that way. Um, I think the uh, uh, Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit um, is a really mm. emotional film in a lot of ways, um, but not necessarily always sad. Um I think that's a film you should absolutely see if you want to feel something. Um, and the big sick, uh, from Kumail Nanjiani. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, really, really, really good movie. Both of those movies just made me feel, um, very human. And, um, I think they're, they're very well done and I recommend you see them. Um, when I thought about the most emotional moment or the most emotional, something's made me feel my mind immediately went to a very stupid answer, which is Avengers Endgame. And I have a good reason for that, um, but it, it mainly boils down to um, I really felt the blood, sweat, and tears that went into not just that movie, but more than a decade of filmmaking and universe building, and it just felt like the culmination of all of that. It obviously was the culmination of all of that, and to see it pay off in such a brilliant way, it just felt like this is this is what movies were made for, you know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. like seeing that just come to fruition on screen was really special for me. And a lot of ways, I obviously grew up with some of those, those heroes and those characters. So it was cool in that respect, but it was just like, they did it. You know what I mean? So that was, it was really cool. I wonder how many times I can say, you know what I mean in the podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, know what, you know what I mean? 
You know what I mean? What you mean? mean. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but uh, the more I thought about it, the more I felt like the roller coaster of emotions that Hamilton has put me through, mm. I think, yep. is really like it's it's one of the the most it's I've ne- I don't know if I can think of anything that I've gotten more enjoyment out of in sadness and hope and um it's it, it I I don't want to go too much into it because it is it's a play there's a lot of moving parts in there um I'm also not much of a theater person but for me Hamilton um every every minute every second of hamilton made me feel exactly what it was supposed to and i feel like i get different emotions from it strong powerful emotions from it every time i listen to it um or listen to even one of those songs and if you've seen it you know what i mean but by the ten by the time the 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 show comes to an end it's um it it never feels like it was worse than the time before it just feels like it only gets better and better so I've, I've seen it. I've listened to it all the way through probably 20 times now. Um, only and I've 20? I mean, it's pretty long. The number should be a lot higher. I mean, I listen to individual songs here and there, but like I, you just front to back um, probably 20 times. And I've seen it on Disney Plus um, maybe three or four times. I've never seen it in person, unfortunately. I didn't become a fan until it arrived on Disney Plus, but... Uh, yeah, like I was saying, like it just feels like every time I get to that ending, I just feel the the wealth of emotions from the entire play right there in that the ending the ending song, and um, it's really special. And I think it's a really special play, um, really special thing in general. But yeah, I think that's my answer. Um, I don't want to keep on it too long, but if there if there's anything you guys wanted to add to my topic, feel free. Otherwise, we can move on to Robert. I have, a, I have a question for you about about your topic. Um, How dare you? In terms of movies, <laughs> you feel away. Would you say Logan is up there, considering your ties with that character and that movie is having a lot of different emotions that you kind of go through? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um, Wolverine's my favorite character. I, I love Hugh Jackman just as an actor, not necessarily because of his portrayal as Wolverine. But I just I just think he seems like a cool dude, and uh, I love his acting. He was a former um, physical education teacher. His, his, he, oh, yeah, he is a former edu- yeah. uh, physical education teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an interview online. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Of, um, him pointing out someone. He's like doing interviews on some carpet or something, and he yeah, points out yeah. someone. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, I used to teach you, and it's like, it's just this really cool moment. Um, but um, yeah, Logan, um, I, 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 I love Logan, um, and I think it was the perfect, a perfect ending for that character. Um, but I don't know if I'd say it's one of the most emotional moments for me in a in in some sort of like book or movie or show or whatever um yeah i mean it's it's perfect but like there's also a lot of like really bad x-men and wolverine movies you know what i mean (laughs) i said it again (sighs) god i punched myself in the face um 
but yeah like there's a there's a lot of bad wolverines movies so when logan happened it was great um and i loved it but at the same time i i couldn't help but think about how it's 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 supposed to to be a bookend and it serves as a bookend to this character's journey and a lot of that character's journey it wasn't always perfect so as much as i love logan and it did make me feel emotional um it it, it kind of sucks because it was tied down by this universe that it had been um uh that had been established over the last decade or so you know what i mean um, yes. Yeah. Why don't you laugh for once in your lives, you freaking miserable people? God, laugh at my joke. I said, you know what I mean. Again, get it. You know All right. I you mean. got any more questions? Bad no. laptop man. Uh, former bad laptop man. <laughs> <laughs> um, little side note, if I may. No. Okay. How dare you? Well, Joey said no, so I can't. I, All right. <laughs> uh, Robert, what's your topic? No. <laughs> Real quick, because you mentioned movies that are very human and that you like brought forth a thousand different emotions from a few different movies that I remembered. And if you guys haven't seen these films, I really think you should watch them. I'm pretty sure you guys have seen About Time. No, really? No. I'm you, you neither of you? I don't think I've ever I've heard never even heard of that movie. Yep. Watch about time. Pretty sure it's on Netflix, um, and basically everywhere else. It's very good. It's very emotional. Um, I think it. I don't know. It just kind of hits pretty well. Um, I don't even want to explain it. There's also Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind haven't heard of that either i have heard how have you not heard that you've not heard that title anywhere at least no another just really good film it's uh jim carrey of all people is the main character into serious role i like jim carrey uh very good and then also go ahead sorry i'm just terrible interrupting everyone today um I was just going to make a stupid joke about how Jim Carrey's had plenty of serious roles like The Truman Show and Eternal Sunshine and Sonic the Hedgehog. And you guys were going to be like, oh, Michael, you silly goose. Sorry, it's late. (laughs) God dang it. Just keep going. I'm sorry. The last one, which is a Tom Hanks film, is extremely loud and incredibly close. I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Really should watch it. <laughs> oh man, all three of these films, you guys need to watch them. I have heard like, those words in that set in that order before. Robert? <laughs> yes. When you started this this um your sentence about the human movies, I thought you were gonna talk about the movie Her. I remember you oh. liked the movie a lot and you were you said you like mentioned like something about it just making it seem human or something like that, which is I... ironic. I really did like the movie Her. I thought it was it was very, very good. And I think that a lot of the things that they kind of predicted when it comes to like, AI. Uh, yeah, AI and just like re- like online relationships. I think that that's all very accurate. And I think that there's a deeper 
context to that film that I don't even think the directors really intended that like if like watching it now and just seeing the way that the internet has evolved I think there's a lot more to that film than what people thought was going to happen um just like with the way that people view themselves and view like their identity and how they actualize themselves I don't know there's just like so much to that film that if they intended that way back in like 2014 when that film came out, I think then goddamn like masterfully done. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, another really human film. Oh yeah. I've been meaning to watch her. It, it's always piqued my interest and I know you liked it a lot. So I've been, I've been meaning to watch it. Never got around Man, to you it. You guys ever watched like any film I've mentioned? <laughs> That's not true. I didn't say that. I just, I am more, <laughs> shut up. Robert. <laughs> Um, I hope your uh your topic is in a list of a bunch of movies because I doubt I've seen any of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my thing is actually like very off topic from this. Oh, that's great! And... It would have been weird if it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to know what's the strangest thing that you've bought or you've seen someone buy. Or, on the other hand, what's the coolest thing that you've bought or see someone buy? Mm. Uh, Wait, so what'd you say? My butterfly knife trainer. (laughs) God dang it. The Joe Miro Cinematic Universe. If you saw episode one, you'd know that Joey actually bought the butterfly knife trainer from Amazon and they never (laughs) sent it to him. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's one of the coolest things I've bought. I'm looking around my room as we speak. Kind of, Wait, kind of looking well, at while you're looking guy. around, Joey, have you gotten any good with your twirls? Uh, so I went like two months or whatever without touching it, and then I just picked it up like two nights ago. Um, I'm kind of learning a trick that I think I've created. I don't know. I'm still trying to iron out the details. Wait, Joey, we started this podcast two months ago. That means oh, you basically... maybe, maybe like a month ago then. <laughs> okay, I was going to say. like Time flies when you're busy. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You've had a really busy life recently, especially. Keep talking. I'm going to take my headphones off and go look around my house. <laughs> All right, Joey, what is the, the strangest thing or the like, or the silliest thing that you've ever bought? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I feel like there had to have been something in high school that we probably bought. I don't know, probably something for a football game where we used to we used to dress up on in, in the crowd on like Fridays. So like you would go and buy something like that. I don't know. I can't really think of anything silly or strange that I've bought. Or that you saw someone else buy. It doesn't have to just be you. Like, anytime you were like, oh my god, wow, what the heck is that? Well, you know, Robert, I don't judge people. (laughs) Okay, fine. I'm sure they had plenty good reason to buy whatever they were buying. (laughs) Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Strange, strange, strange. Michael, how's your uh, search going? Just a second, I can kind of hear you. I heard you say my name. Yeah. <laughs> Michael is currently yeah in the background of his room. Um, I can't think of things that other people have bought, except I've seen like people do 
like those like weird little things that they do at Walmart where you try and like confuse the cashier. Oh, but like buying like three or five objects where it's like try to try to buy these to make it like to really like freak out the cash or the cashier, something like that. Yeah, I've seen some weird combinations and I've had some weird combinations. Oh, sure. Um but I I guess like I've seen most of them online. I've never seen them in person. Yeah. Um, but, like the thing is like to to you Whatever you're buying is isn't weird at all. Like, That's true. To me, my my butterfly knife trainer is probably the coolest thing I've bought. But to some people, they're probably like, "That's the weirdest thing you could buy." Yeah, yeah. it's all about so. it's all about perspective, you know. Definitely. So like, a lot of my stuff as I'm looking around at like my amiibos and pop figures, I'm like, "Oh, those are cool." But some people are like, "Those are actually really like weird and strange." Why would you want? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um. I'm you back. Um, no, like, I don't know. I just, I don't spend much money on, on things, on weird things as much as I want to, you know what I mean? God, I even started to say it and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I never notice when you say it until after you mention it. I know. I need to shut up. I said it in conversation the the other day, and I was like, "Did I just say that because of Joe Miro?" And um, <laughs> now I can't stop saying it. Um, <laughs> weird or strange thing or cool thing. One of I can lead if you guys yeah, want to start it off because I have it right next to me, um, and it stuck with me through the lowest of lows and the highest of highs in my life, and that is my. Uh, Cabela's water uh, jug. Yeah, I, big, knew, I knew you were talking about that. My big water jug. Actually, it might be. It's a. Uh, it's the uh, Whirly Drink Works. If anybody's interested, the uh, the code is XM fifty two slash sixty four model two. So <laughs> they had two versions of this thing. I was going to Cabela's one time. And I, uh, I saw this big trucker jug, one of those big old jug things. I don't know why, but I thought, you know what? I want it. And somehow this thing has been the best investment that I've ever made in my entire life. I've had it for over 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, it keeps me the most hydrated I've ever been. And right now it's got deck tape across several portions because i've dropped it several times it also used to say hey vegetarians my food poops on your food because i got it back when i was a uh a prick hick and <laughs> that's just that's such a like ex robert thing to buy i know and now i've come full circle and now i am vegetarian <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like oh wow that's <laughs> went somewhere so, so now it's perfect and it literally has a deer squatting down, taking a dump on it, which I've taped over. But this jug is, I don't know, it's priceless. Um, strangest yet coolest thing that it's, that's ever happened to me. Michael, why don't you, why don't you um, say the coolest thing you've bought? What would you say the coolest thing is that you've, that you've bought? See, I'm trying to think of that too. And it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't have like specifically cool or weird things. Not even like a me. collectible? Like I mean, yeah, I've got like a freaking a million amiibo, but like <laughs> um and and those each have their own like story and things like that behind them, but 
Hmm. I'm really, I'm really scratching my brain. I'm trying to figure out a good answer for this. Um, I can just say that one of the best uses of my money for a cool thing was my plane trip to my first E3. Ooh, E3 2019. The last E3. Woo. Um, that was pretty cool. I got this nifty little microphone to talk to my friends Joey and Robert. That's pretty cool. I don't have one of those nifty microphones. Really? I couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um <laughs> Joey, I love you so much. Don't take that personally, please. Yeah, no, I'm not. I, I could care less. You can still hear me, it's fine. Um, the weirdest thing I've for? I've the weirdest thing I've bought is my dog Nova. Backflip. <laughs> That's fair. Um, um, she headbutted me and broke my tooth before. She did. She, she did broke your tooth. Yeah, chip, chipped my tooth. Did she? Was trying to eat my face last time I was there. <laughs> she was, um, and it's probably because she was trying to convince you to let her outside again. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Oh God, I'm just I'm beating myself up trying to think of something. Yeah, this is a lot harder of a topic than I thought it would be. Man, I really thought this was gonna be like an easy one. <laughs> I was like, as <laughs> <laughs> I literally like before we started, I was like, oh my water jug. Oh, that that'd be interesting. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to picture my apartment to see what I have in there, but like. You know, what's something that someone else has looked at and said, oh, that's cool. <sighs> Robert, <Robert's>. <laughs> Don't think too hard. <laughs> I tell people about my dying light statue. I never, I never, buy, I didn't buy it myself. It was like given to me, but I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's something you own. Yeah. So that's okay. So, like, Mike, Mike, Michael was saying, the E3 trip, uh, we saw some, we saw some footage of the game Dying Light 2. And with that footage, they gave out collectible statues. Um, so it's like a collectible statue for the game Dying Light 2, which for like a year and a half, that game was like practically dead. But now it's starting to be revived, basically, and they're starting to go on and create the game again. So the statue is becoming less cool. But if the game dies again, that statue will be very cool. <laughs> Joey thought he had a statue from a canceled game sitting on his desk. That I, never, I never opened, never took out of the box, just sitting there, pristine as can be. <laughs> um yeah i uh the e3 was pretty cool because we got a lot of cool stuff like that um big trade show events like that are, are great for uh fun little knickknacks and collectibles and things you'll pick up like t-shirts and masks and a bunch of useless crap that you're really never gonna like but like that dying light statue is really oh, that, that statue lot, is so cool it is a lot cooler than it has any right to be um God, Robert, I think this topic makes me think less of you. <laughs> what? Ooh, ooh, I'm just wow. kidding. It's it's completely on Joey and I, being completely serious. <laughs> like, why 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 do we not have anything specifically like unique that we own? Dang, as... I could name like ten things that you guys each own that's really cool. Homework, okay, well, homework, homework. For the next podcast. We have to go buy something strange. 
Where have you been? What 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 are what are some examples of things we have? Well, these are just things that I think are cool. I don't know what you guys think. No, are cool. that's fine. I want to hear it now. Well, I mean, like starting off with the amiibos, you guys have like almost all of them. So I don't know. That, that's pretty interesting. And like the the effort that you guys put into collecting them, I remember the the like <laughs> the literal blood, sweat, and tears that have been poured into <laughs> getting some of them. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, let's just do that real quick since it's already past midnight Robert's time, which means he is not a happy boy. Uh, um, yes, it is. <laughs> we failed the mission. Um, That's okay. Uh, yeah, so when Joey or John and I were in college, between the three of us, we collected almost all of the Amiibo. And we were poor college students and still are poor. Um, Only but... because we had an apartment that, or a house that costs like nothing yes our our apartment was very inexpensive our rent was very expensive um but uh between the three of us we collected almost all of the amiibo at least that were out at the time um so we had this big display of um amiibo and um like i was saying earlier like we've got a story behind or at least i do behind almost all of them like if you point to a specific one i can tell you when i got it and what it was like to get it like i know my charizard one um i raced a guy to get that one um from the front of a target store (laughs) (laughs) and uh he lost (laughs) um mm, i know john ordered little mac from japan and I'm pretty sure my um, Bowser Jr. is from Japan as well. Um, Joey, do you have Shulk or does John have Shulk? Maybe John, I have has, Shulk. John has Shulk. If John has Shulk, then that one is also imported from Japan. Um, I'm pretty sure, Joey, you got King DDD from Amazon. I did get King DDD. He's like the fullest like amiibo I have. and It's awesome. The detail on it is also amazing. Yeah, so like... I I've spent a lot of money on Amiibo. Um, many of them when they were hard to find and I spent more money on like eBay or something like Meta Knight. I spent like 30 bucks on, on eBay. Um, and I wanted it. I want his big wings in my <laughs> collection. And I wanted to be like, look, there's the purple Kirby with the mask and I have him. Um, all of the Amiibo each have names. Uh, amiibo collecting, you know, we were all big Smash Bros. players here, so that's why it's such a... And we all played in college, and it was a big bonding. Uh, Some of us are professionals. Us. Some of us, meaning just me. <laughs> I thought I, I played against a professional, therefore it was a professional competition, therefore I am a professional. That is yes. true. Joey played a three-stock match against Mewtwo King on Smash Ultimate Online and uh, took a stock away from him. I took a so. stock away from Mewtwo King. Yeah, you did. Well, <laughs> congratulations on winning the roll of dice to get to fight him at all. <laughs> um, I'd love to just... I'd, I'd love to go through and see if I can remember where I got all of them. Um, I'm, Bowser was my first amiibo. Joey, what was your first amiibo? Uh, most likely Luigi. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, well, that's if it wasn't obvious, Luigi, it was Samus, Samus or Peach. Kind Those of a stupid question. Three. In <laughs> retrospect, <laughs> um, what was uh, the hardest one to get? Ooh, ooh, I like that. Hold on a second. Taking okay. the headphones off, Joey. Your amiibo are probably right in front of you. I'll be right back. No, they're not. They're in Kansas City. <laughs> think, think really hard about your heart. Your hardest one to get. <laughs> yeah, there. I'm, I'm thinking like, about it. 
Robert, you have like three amiibo. Go. <laughs> what? You have a few amiibos, don't you? I have two. I have Lucas mm-hmm. and someone else. <laughs> oh, I have a split the Splatoon Inkling. Inkling. Yes, Inkling. That's that's her name. Um, and then I have another one from something, but it's not for this game. It's not for Super Smash Brothers. I don't remember. I never really got into the trend. I could never really keep up. And I will also, oh, for people who are listening, I did not go to the same college as uh, Joey, Michael, and John. Uh, and Caleb also did not go to the same college. Uh, we all went different ways. And then eventually, whenever I would go up to their college, we would play Super Smash Brothers. Uh, sounds like Michael is back. I am back. Um my rarest amiibo is gold mario to my Ooh. knowledge oh yeah um, nice. really uh, funny story about that one is i was shopping at walmart um at like one in the morning and they had just restocked gold mario on like the day he came out and uh, there were three of them there and we bought all three <laughs> <laughs> wow. two other people with me so <laughs> we we bought them because i was like these are going to be really hard to find we're buying them right now <laughs> um I've also got a, uh, I don't know if he's rare, though, um, uh, a Link whole, uh, playing the Ocarina amiibo. Um, I've got a Joker amiibo. Ah, and, but I think the one, amiibo. what was that? I'm jealous of the Joker amiibo. Yes, you are. Joker amiibo is very cool. Um, I think the one, and this is one of those where I can't remember the exact story behind it, despite the fact that I think it's it was the hardest, the, the most effort I put into getting it was female Corrin. Um, mm. some of those player two amiibo from the smash Wii U days were very hard to come by. Like, Bayonetta. Yeah, exactly. Like those, those were hard and I have player two cloud, but I don't have player one and, uh, I have player one Bayonetta or no player two Bayonetta, but not player one. Um, so I have both corns though. I just don't have the other two of the others. I feel like um, Wii Fit Trainer was hard to come by. Wii Fit was really hard to come by for a long time, and I think we ended up finding it because they did a restock at Best Buy or something, and now it's not as rare. Okay. Oh, well. Yeah, Amiibo are cool. Yeah. Yeah, Amiibo are really cool. Smash Bros. is cool. I like Smash Bros. a lot. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> Michael and I wouldn't be friends if it wasn't for Smash Bros. Um, that's partially true. Not <laughs> true. <laughs> um, that's a story for another time, though. Yes, uh, it is. Robert, I'm sorry we ruined your topic. <laughs> no, it led to some interesting conversation. <laughs> I know. It, I'm. You know what I mean. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm. I, I'm not doing it to be funny anymore. I'm doing it because I'm so disappointed in myself for saying it as many times as I did this podcast. It's okay. Um, I know what you mean. Robert, stop it. <laughs> Shut up. You're making fun of me and I don't appreciate it. Um, okay. Hard to find. What's that again? Do we have trouble finding Palutina? Uh, I feel like you guys talk. I, I remember you guys talking about her. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we had to order Palutina from like Amazon or something like that um, for a little bit higher of a price. I know Rosalina was really hard for me to find and I found Rosalina eventually. 
Yeah, she's like a Target exclusive that somebody bought like every single one possible. Yeah, people are monsters. You guys did that once <laughs> with the gold Marios. Oh. Robert, I have no I idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you can't call them monsters. I wasn't a part of that. Wait a second. Am I the bad guy? <laughs> <laughs> this guy bought like like literally like thousands or something like that of Rosalina. Oh, okay. I bought I got three gold Marios, all right. Okay. And, like, that- that definitely changes it. I thought it. Was, I didn't know they released that many. I didn't know that, that person was buying that many. That that changes it a little bit. That person no. basically made, made them hard to come by. Yeah, they like bought them and then supposedly burned them or something because they didn't like oh, Rosalina. That's dumb. I fact check me on that, but I I I think it was a, a whole fiasco. Huh. Um. Okay. We we should let Robert go to sleep because it's very late and we're all yeah, very tired. I am tired. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this late night episode of the Joe Mira podcast. I have been Michael Kripe. I've been here with uh, Joey Lafaciano and Robert Adams. Hey ho, it's Joe. Hey ho, it's Ro. <laughs> um. Yeah, make sure you listen next time because we really like it when you when you hang out with us. We, we all have good times here and talking about things way too late at night. Um, so yeah, with that said, I'll let you guys go. Jomiro, Jomiro, Jomiro. Jomiro.